0: for tuning in to the revival tabernacle podcast wherever you may be listening from we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering unconditional love of jesus christ join us as we reach sinners raise believers and release leaders please enjoy the message from the rt pulpit I want you to turn with me to the Book of John, the 19th chapter. One thing about about son, the way he plays, you see, I could forget about preaching and just sing all day. You know, some musicians just make you want to sing, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When they that good, amen. So, Nineteen and twenty-six verse, so Jesus seeing his mother and the disciple whom he loved, whom he esteemed, standing near, said to his mother, dear woman, look, here is your son, talking about John, then he said to the disciple John, look, here is your mother protect her, and provide for her. And the Bible said, and from that hour, the disciple, talking about John, took his mother into his own home. I want to use for a subject today the sword and for a subtopic, mother's helpless love. Say that with me, a mother's helpless love. Being a mother is one of the highest-paying jobs in the world because the payment is pure love, amen? Um, There is no amount of money that um, a father or mother can put on seeing the results of your investment when the child grows up and becomes successful. That's payment by itself. I Think about... um, my, my, my very best friend in the world, which is uh, Myron's mother. Um, when Myron was coming, he was very, very talented. Uh, he could, his, in artwork and things like that. And, and she would make him take classes during the summer on Saturdays when kids want to do things. And, and, uh, and she would force him to do, take subjects that he didn't want to take. But he didn't understand at that time, but now he is a successful engineer. Amen. So it paid off. Now there are times when he let her know, I didn't like it then. In fact, she always tell me, she said, you know, I was one of the hate, the most hated mothers in the world because I made him do things he didn't want to do. But now he can say, I thank you for forcing me to do things. Amen. So you ask yourself, what what is a mother? Um, And in my opinion, a mother is, um, first of all, she's a protector. A mother is a disciplinarian. Amen. I know they don't like it sometimes, but sometimes you have to discipline. And a mother is a friend. So let's remember that every birth and conception is a miracle. Amen no matter how they got here, no matter what the circumstances were, no matter if it was out of wedlock, that little life is a mind-boggling miracle. Amen? And, and every woman of God uh, knows that it's a, it's a privilege to carry a child because we become a partner with God uh, in the ongoing work of creation. A real mother is selfless, and will sacrifice her wants and needs for the wants and needs of her children. A real mother works hard to make sure that her children are equipped with the knowledge and with the skills and abilities to make them competent human beings, to make sure they grow up (laughs) self-reliant, to make sure they grow up uh, uh, self-sustaining, and no amount of money can pay for that, amen? So it's the duty of mothers and fathers to start teaching our boys at a young age how to have respect for a woman, how to be good husbands and good fathers. And when my boys got to the dating age, I begin to tell them, one of the things I tell them, I says, when you go out to dinner, don't be talking about no stag, you you're a man. You, you pay for the dinner. You pay for the movie. You know, one of my uh, grandsons said to me the other day, well, well, you know, her family got more money than I have. I, I, I don't care how much money her family has you pay for the dinner or you don't go if you can't pay for the movie stay home I mean y'all FaceTime on on the on on iPhone but but don't you go out there letting a woman pay for you amen so it's the duty of mothers and fathers to start grooming our daughters at a young age to have respect for themselves and how to be good wives and good mothers, amen. It's the duty of mothers and fathers to teach our children the value of purity, to teach our children honesty. It's the the job of the mother and the father. I know it's Mother's Day, but I'm talking to all of us now, to teach our children submissiveness to God's will and teaching them devotion to God. And so in my opinion, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the greatest of all mothers. And, and when I think of her, it causes me to realize that Mother's Day is more than 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 than, than just gifts and, and more than cards and you know and financial stuff. It's more than a new outfit. Amen. Uh, mother's Day is a spiritual has a spiritual meaning because of the purpose of a mother and because of its fulfillment. I consider motherhood to be a, a sacred. And noble vocation. But Mary, she raised the bar when she became the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus. God allowed this little woman to be the instrument to bring his son into the world. But don't get it twisted. You need to understand that his origin did not begin at this conception in Nazareth. Amen. Before the earth was, Jesus already was. Before there was a sun and a moon and a star, Jesus already was. Before there was a day or night, Jesus already was. Being born of this little virgin girl was merely the beginning of his earthly life. But as a son of God, he always existed. He was was at work with the creation of the world. He laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the works of his hands. But he came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. He was made flesh so that he could dwell among us and ultimately so that he could die for us. He so loved the world that he decided to come down in human flesh. God himself, (laughs) he allowed himself to be born of a woman so that we could live and that we could move and that we could have our being. He did that so we could be delivered. God could have chosen any woman in the world to be the earthly mother of Jesus, but he chose Mary. Amen. She was unique <laughs> because she was a, one, what I call one among millions, blessed of God, highly favored of God. I believe that she was chosen because she possessed uh, some, what I call specific characteristics. First of all, she was pure and chaste, which means that she had abstained from extramarital affairs. And when you look at the word "chaste" in the Bible, it means to be plain, to be simple, to be unadorned, to be undecorated, no frills. Uh, <laughs> she didn't have any false eyelashes like like we we can have. She didn't have extensions where we could make our hair long or. Uh, We could have it short one day, and we could have it down our back the next day. She didn't have all that. She grew up in Nazareth where many women were involving themselves, but Mary did not lose her purity. She was chosen because the mother of God could not be labeled as promiscuous. The mother of God could not be carrying baggage or be viewed as unfaithful in any way. Now, let's just take the church mask off today, and let's be honest. Many of us, when we entered into our marriages, we came with baggage. Amen? We came with hurts. We came with letdowns. We came with hesitancy because of what we went through. And uh, I'm going to take the mask off today. When I walked down the aisle with Sonny 52 years ago, (laughs) I had what they call a never again list. Anybody got a never again list? I had said, never again would I allow anybody to mistreat me the way that first relationship was. Never again would I sit back and tolerate him having babies with somebody else and sit there trying to say, I'm saved, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord does not believe in divorce. The devil is a lie. Amen? So when I'm walking down the aisle coming towards Sonny, I was saying to myself, if he do that, I'm going to divorce his behind too. I was walking down the aisle saying that. I was saying never again Am I going to let nobody do what that first one did? Okay? But thank God. I walked into the arms of the right one at the right time that has made me happy for the last 52 years. And I am so thankful that I didn't allow the baggage to poison me. See, some women say, I ain't never... Again, I ain't never, listen, everybody ain't dirty. Every man ain't bad, amen. God got some good ones out here. So some of y'all that been through, don't give up. That's the most is in this world. (laughs) Let me get off that because y'all ain't going to like me after a while. But Gabriel (laughs) confirmed that this woman was pure and chaste. And he echoed that when he said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. The scripture proclaims that she was a virgin, never had intimate relationship with a man. I I know many have tried to dispute that and say that it couldn't have been, but if you deny the virgin birth, then you're literally calling God a liar. Centuries before the angel even appeared to Mary, it was prophesied in the book of Isaiah, the seventh chapter. He said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, this was centuries before, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Being a virgin was essential because if she had not been a virgin, then we could have said, that first of all, she was an impure mother. And if she was an impure mother, that would be, mean that it would be humanizing Jesus. You'd be taking away his deity. He was just any other man. Amen. And so theologians would have been able to declare the Bible as being faulty or being alive. So Mary was engaged, but she had not known Joseph as a husband. So if the, holy Ghost, <laughs> if the Holy Ghost had not spoken to this little woman, can you imagine the shock to her when she wake up one day and find out she's pregnant? Knowing she ain't had nobody, amen? But when she was told by the angel in Luke 1 and uh, 35, the Holy Ghost, this is what the angel said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the Holy Ghost shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, My God, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. That changed the whole thing for Mary. Amen. With my pastor, you said no further word necessary. Then being told that her cousin Elizabeth and Zacharias, who was as old as dirt, (laughs) was also getting ready to have a child, she knew that if God could do that, he certainly could work this miracle without her having to be intimate with a man. Nothing. She knew from that. Ain't nothing too hard for God. Nothing is impossible with God. So I want you to see the power of God. When Mary visited uh, her cousin, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Luke 1.39 said, Now at this time Mary rose and hurried to the hill country to a city of Judea, or Judah. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby leaped in the womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. Oh, my. Listen, Elizabeth said, she said, when, when I heard the sound of your voice, this baby leaped in my womb. Amen. And she began to speak in tongues. Amen. So the second characteristic Mary possessed was her humility. When the angel said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Because of her humble and unassuming personality, even though rightfully so, she was confused, like any woman would be, when no one ain't been with a man. And even though she did not consider herself, she was so humble, so she didn't consider herself to be highly favored of anybody. And so when she finally regained her composure, after the shock of finding out that was getting ready to have a baby and no husband and never having had sex, she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. In other words, God, whatever you want from me, I don't put up no rebellion. I don't put up any resistance. I just say yes, Lord. Even though it's going to cost me my reputation in the village, but I still say yes, Lord. Even though it may cost me my relationship with Joseph because he knows as well as anybody that I have not been with him, but I'm still saying yes, Lord. I don't know what I'm going to say to the people in the village. Everybody knows that I'm not married yet, but I still say yes, Lord. So the Bible tells us that Joseph, being a a just man, was really not willing to uh, make a public example out of her. He didn't want to do that. He was troubled because he didn't want to throw her to the dogs and denounce her. And the Bible said that God intervened. Everybody know the scripture. (laughs) And while Joseph was thinking about what he should do, the angel appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, don't worry about it. This thing that's in Mary is from the holy ghost. So to Joseph no further word necessary. He was satisfied and asked no more questions. The chosen this chosen woman would probably have went through a lot of verbal abuse from neighbors, friends, especially church folks. <laughs> but I have found out firsthand that it costs to be chosen by God. I really believe with all my heart, and I don't know nothing about the history of the church, but I believe that when God called you to be a pastor, I don't believe it was smooth sailing. I'm sure there were people that felt like you shouldn't pastor and you shouldn't this. You know, you're going to always have controversy when you're chosen by God. So I love to read about Simeon, the Jewish priest. And the Bible says in Luke 2.25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he would not die (laughs) until he saw the Lord Christ. And so the Bible tells us that Simeon came into the temple this particular day when Mary and Joseph had brought the baby Jesus in. And Simeon took the baby up in his arm and began to bless him. And as he prayed, the Lord let him know. And he said, now I can die in peace because I have seen thy salvation. And then he began to prophesy. And and he began to prophesy and it says in the 34th verse, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. Listen carefully. This child is appointed and destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign that is to be opposed. And then the 35th verse said, And a sword of deep sorrow will pierce through your own soul so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. When I read this, when I read this, when I read this, the question that came to my mind was, how is a sword going to pierce through Mary's soul? Amen? And then I thought about the love of a mother, loving him the way a mother loves her child. Can you imagine how she must have felt when she saw the multitudes rejecting and ridiculing our son. You know how it feels to have folks ridicule your child, talk about them? It's like a sword going through your heart. I don't want nobody talking about my kids. Amen? I mean, I, 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 I carried them nine months. Now, I may get behind doors and talk to them and ball them out, but I don't want you talking about them. Amen. How many mothers know what I'm talking about? How many fathers know what I'm talking about? You don't want nobody ridiculing your child. So prophecy had come to pass that day because that was a sword piercing her soul. It tore her apart. She loved her son, and yet she felt helpless. She had to stand helpless and watch him being abused. This was a sword in her soul. She had to stand by and watch him being accused. There was a sword in her soul. She had to stand by and watch him being misused and having been lied on. This is a sword in her soul. I'm sure that mothers here today can agree with me that even when we bring a child into the world, they may come here ugly as homemade sin, but we see them as beautiful. A mother is not moved by what she sees. A mother's not moved by what complexion that child is. A mother's not moved by the texture of that child's hair. Even if that child is bad, she still loves him. He may be behind prison bars, praise God, but she still loves him. He may be despicable. He may be what they call a low life as far as society is concerned, but that mother yet loves him. The love of a mother reminds me of the love of Jesus. Jesus is not moved by how we look. Jesus is not moved by what we have. Jesus is not moved by what you know and how smart you are. He loves us in spite of ourselves. I was remember back in Chicago years ago, there was a man that I don't even know if he had I uh, a uh, I don't even know if he had grammar school education. He was was literally, when it came to books, ignorant. But he was one of the most powerful and anointed men of God that I know. He was so anointed that he was on a plane that's getting ready to go down. And he jumped and ran from, the Lord, Holy Ghost said, run to the front of the plane and then to the back. And he did what the Holy Ghost said and the plane straightened out. And even the, the captain applauded him because he didn't know what had happened. They were getting ready to go down. But so God is not concerned about what you know. Even though I tell people, you gotta have an education in this day. But those that didn't have it, God still used them. He loves us in spite of ourselves, He loves us in spite of our weakness, He loves us in spite of our flaws. His love will raise us from nothing and make something out of us. I get the feeling that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was devoted, I get the feeling that she was totally dedicated. Not an idle talker, not one wasting time gossiping, not a busybody keeping up turmoil in the church, lying on folks and going to the pastor and making things up because you're jealous. She was not that type. She came from an environment of poverty, so she had to work hard to care for her family. As mothers, many times, when everybody in the house is asleep, y'all know this, (laughs) We are preparing things for our children. And I don't know what it is about me. I'm trying to get over it. I'm, I'm uh, 81 years old now, and so I'm trying to get over this of coming alive at nighttime. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I want to clean the kitchen at nighttime. I, I, I want to wash all the clothes. After everybody done gone to bed and everybody's asleep, it, like it just it just feels better doing what you got to do, you know. <laughs> And, and I don't get to bed until 1 o'clock, you know. So I'm trying to break the habit. But that's, that's what of mothers do, you know. So no matter what she went through, she counted it a privilege to be related to the Son of God. She treasured his words and meditated on them. Mary was, was submissive. She was obedient. She was pure. She was holy. And she was undefiled as a result her son Jesus came here pure and holy. Like his mother, Jesus was dedicated. Like his mother, he was undefiled. Like his mother, he was separated from sin. Like his mother, he was obedient unto death. And like his mother, he was devoted to his father. <laughs> so there's, there's similarities here. You, when you think about it, Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of my father. Mary said, Be it unto me according to thy word, just like his mama. <laughs> Amen. So, how do you think she felt knowing that she had birthed the king, the savior of mankind, and yet she and Joseph had to hide the king so that Herod would not kill him? Somebody say, Hallelujah. So, it was like a sword going through her heart, knowing that she was raising the very Son of God. And yet she didn't have enough money to give him the king, the things that a king deserves. It was like a sword going through her heart when the very son of God, the one who was getting ready to be offered up as a sacrifice to all mankind, is accused of being a demoniac, being classified in the same league as Satan. It was like a sword going through her heart, cutting her heart out as she watched the son being crucified. She loved him. She found herself helpless to defend his honor. It was like a sword going through her heart, cutting her heart out as she helplessly watched them driving nails through her son's hand, driving nails through his feet. It was like a sword cutting her heart out as she helplessly watched them beating her son, battering him, spitting on him, pulling his beard out. And she's sitting there saying, my son going through all of this pain. And here I am helpless. I can't deliver him. I can't even help him. It had to be sheer agony to this mother because here he is, the son of God. But yet this was her child. This is a child she carried in a wound nine months. And she hears her son cry out, from the cross and Elio, Elio, Lama Sabatana, meaning Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And yet she felt helpless. It was like a sword going through her heart as she stood there weeping, every fiber of her being aching, wishing that she could take his suffering. I don't know if you've ever experienced it or not, but when my children God sick at any time. Sometimes I'll be saying, God, let me feel the pain. Let me take the pain from them. I don't want them to go through this. I can take it better. I know what it means to have pain. But we are helpless. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. It was like a sword in her heart as she stood there weeping. Every fiber of her being. My God, wishing that she could take his suffering. Here Mary is trying to think of a way to bring a son down from this cross. Trying to think of a way to get those nails out of his hands. Trying to think of a way to get them nails out of his feet. Saying, oh God, mend his hole in his side. But here's the punchline as I get ready to close out this morning. That same Jesus... That same son of God, seeing what Satan was doing to you and me, he loved us like his mother loved him. But the difference is, he was not helpless. (laughs) Somebody say hallelujah. He said, I give you the keys, and I give you authority of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth and whatsoever you forbid on earth, and whatsoever you declare to be improper, and whatsoever you declare to be unlawful on earth, I'll bind it in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth, and whatsoever you say I permit on earth, I declare it to be lawful, and you can have what you say, The phrase, God so loved the world. That's the very foundation of the Bible. For he had not, if he had not loved us, there would be no Genesis. There would be no Revelation. If he had not loved us so much, you would not be here today. If he had not loved us so much, you would not have hope today. Thank God. That his love is not helpless. Thank God that his power is not helpless. Because his whole purpose for coming into the world was to seek and to save that which was lost. His purpose was to give you power over all power of the enemy. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Not only that. Think about us and how he loved us as messed up as we were. He broke through the chains of Satan just to get to you. He broke through the chains of Satan to blot out your pain, to erase your heartache. He broke through the chains of Satan to get you out of the wrong bed with the wrong person. Somebody say hallelujah. He broke the chains of Satan so that you would no longer like the taste of alcohol. So that you would no longer need drugs. Somebody say hallelujah. He cleansed your system because he gave his life. Whatever hole you were in, he followed you there and pulled you out. And you are no longer helpless. The sword of the enemy is no longer effective in your life. Because Jesus came that we may have life. And that we have life more abundantly. You are no longer helpless. Everybody stand on your feet today. I feel God in this place. Hallelujah. He said, you're no longer helpless because behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. He said, I am he that liveth. And I was dead. But behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Not only that, he said, I have spoiled principalities and powers. And not only that, I made a show of them openly. (laughs) Ah, Yarobo Shekaba. God is going to make a show of your enemies. And he's going to do it so that you will know that he's doing it for your sake. That's what I tell people. Don't, don't worry about fighting your battle. Let God do that. He can do it so much better than we can. He has so much more power than we have. You just have to give it over to Jesus. And let him work. And many of you going through right now, some of your children are in a rough place in life. Praise God. Some of them may be incarcerated. Some of them may be on drugs. But I came by to tell you today, you are no longer helpless. You just got to know who you are. (laughs) You got to learn that you can speak things into existence. You got to start speaking over your children, I never will forget when my daughter Carol was an alcoholic. Amen. She would call me in the middle of the night, drunk. When I get off the phone, I would say, "Carol is saved. Carol is filled with the Holy Ghost. Carol is being used by God." You say, you were lying. No, I was speaking the end results. I was speaking what I wanted for Carol. Now, for the last probably 15 years, Carol is filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Carol is worship leader at our church. (laughs) Carol loves the Lord with all of her heart. Praise God. My miracle caught up with my mouth. Amen? If you just keep saying it, after a while, your miracle is going to catch up with your mouth. But see, most of y'all scared to say it. You're scared to say I'm healed because they said you got cancer. You got to start speaking that thing. Praise God. I, I, I can stand here for the next hour and tell you stuff that I've spoken after the doctor said. Amen? Amen? After having a stroke, and they wanted me to go to, uh, to a therapy. Praise God. And I said, I'm healed. Two or three days later, I, walked up, I got up, and, and uh, my leg is straightened out, and I was back to normal because I spoke it. Amen? I spoke my miracle. Praise God. And I'm, I'm speaking right now because the, the, the enemy tried to bring gout in my foot. You know? But guess what? My foot is healed. And my miracle getting ready to catch up with what I just said. Praise God. The enemy only did that because he didn't want me to have to preach this morning. So yesterday, he brought the symptoms of God in my foot. I put these little old shoes on, and I said, I'm going right on in there. So I made him out of a lie. Don't give in to the devil. Don't give your children up because what the devil told you. Praise God. Somebody say Hallelujah. Oh, my, 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 my. Oh, I feel God. I feel God. I feel the spirit of deliverance in this place. I feel God moving in some of your lives right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, We hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT pulpit.